Professor Peter Newman, it's really lovely to see you, Peter, down in the studio. Glad to be back. Yes, great to have you out walking. Is it, we were just having a bit of a chat about that. All of us are guilty, aren't we? Yeah, it's at least down. 150 metres for me to work Whoa. from my office. I count up a steps from a car one day to get in here. It's like about 100. Yeah. I thought, does that count? It's <laughs> oh, not yeah, good only enough. Just. It's not. Anyway, you are, of course, with, and obviously talk an awful lot about your work here, but with Curtin University Sustainability Policy Institute. Now, are you really thrilled with the announcement from the government about the old forest? Yes, it was extraordinary. It came out of left field. We didn't expect it. Uh, John Butler talked about it even at the at the big event in uh, with the uh, grand final on the weekend, which was yeah. pretty special to hear him say how special it was. Yeah, look, when I tell my friends and activists in the east that we've actually stopped the logging or stopping the logging of all native forests. They can't believe it because they haven't even got to the first step, which we got to in 2001. What's brought this on with us, do you think? Well, I I think it's... The reality is that there's not a lot left. Good point. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the, the, the alternatives are there and you can create plantations that are very good for our environment uh, and the tourism factors in okay. our forest are so big now Very they true. really are important and it's an absolute winner politically not that they need it but uh the reality wonder what, is wonder what sort of tipped them over the edge to make this big statement uh, i'm not sure about that one because before when we ran a major campaign for nearly 10 years yeah, 1990s yeah did that. Uh, the only way that you could uh imagine that happening was a major election commitment and and that's what happened with jeff gallup and he got elected and did it and uh it was quite hard but this time it sort of slipped through and everyone said well it's so obvious (laughs) but but it came as such a surprise really it did i mean now i've heard other commentators on air looking at the other side of the situation i'm all for what you're talking about of course and i think a lot would be for obvious reasons but a lot of people say well we're going to lose employment for people um jarrah is such a fantastic timber uh for all sorts of things out there where pine doesn't get close because it's got to be treated so what are the alternatives yeah well they're they're now making a jarrah equivalent by just compressing pine or compressing the blue gum stuff and turning it into uh, a a compressed um clt they call it and it's got a glue in it that enables it to be used in all of the uh functions that we have it doesn't look as good uh but there's uh it, it's certainly structurally very important and it can be made to look pretty good. So, yeah, you know, I, I don't think there's too many op- other options anyway. The Jarrah is very small, what's left. So, with this alternative that you've just mentioned, are we looking at uh, planted trees for this to happen? As, oh, there you've got employment. Yeah, lots of employment. And uh, we are not going to be short of employment in this state. Good in the coming economy, we have so many options now in the lithium area, in the in the planting that's going to be needed around climate change offsetting and in in, in all of this hydrogen stuff that's about to be launched, uh, now everybody's lining up, even Australia's lining Just up. Just explain this, if you will, because the government have uh, funded $61.5 million, nothing to be sneezed at. What, 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 how are we going to see this play out? Well... I think it's just a small step, uh, that one. What's happened is that all the states are now lined up 
to do an interim uh, target. Today, the New South Wales government announced 50% less greenhouse gas by 2030. That's, that's eight years away. Oh, that's so that means no more fossil fuel uh, projects of any kind will be started. Uh, the others will phase out quite quickly because the alternatives are all cheaper and better and provide enormous employment. And the reality is we've got everything that's needed for this new economy. Everybody's looking at Western Australia saying, we've got to invest there because that's where it's all going to happen. That is exciting. And the entrepreneurs are all out there pulling all this together. So New South Wales is trying to jump in and say, we want to be the first on this. We want to have all these new opportunity jobs. Frydenberg's talking about opportunity (laughs) jobs. And the reality is... They're going to be mostly over here. That is very exciting news, and you must be very thrilled about that. It's keeping you very busy at the moment, is it not? It is. And, uh, yeah, I just come from to our discussion with the southern ports, uh, Albany, uh, Bunbury and Esperance, which are where a lot of the materials that are going to be created in this new economy will be moving, and uh, they need to get ready for it. Uh, They are thinking about it, and they now see how rapidly this is going to happen. What's the time structure for them to be ready? Well, it's interesting. Now now they should be getting ready with solar and electric facilities because uh, everything is going very quickly to using solar, rooftop solar. If you've got a roof anywhere, put solar on it. it. You'll make more money out of that than it'll pay for itself in two years. Electric vehicles are coming very quickly, so you need recharge facilities. Uh, All the little machines they have running around in ports certainly should be electric. And... Clearly, hydrogen comes after that, probably after 2030, most of the big projects. But they're all about processing minerals, processing fertiliser, processing food, processing anything. But it can be green then and exported on that basis. And we can do that because we've got the space and the sunshine to make it. And then we've we've got the materials as well. And thankfully a good safety record with the COVID situation. Yeah, good, good safety record has meant that we're now much more ready than everybody else has been very distracted and and the opportunity is clearly there yeah the world would be looking at this surely they are but they're all saying look we've got the industry here like in germany or in singapore or whatever but they haven't got the space or the sunshine that would enable them to create this so So we're set we are ready (laughs) we've got the perfect storm we do and it's time to just wake up to that and say look don't worry about all this gas or you know the coal will disappear nobody will notice because there's so many jobs going to be created all through our southwest that would replace those Uh, and certainly no no job problems uh with with uh, things to do with forestry but they're all about rebuilding our agricultural areas with all kinds of offsets we're speaking to professor peter newman here from curtin university with sustainability policy institute great news he's very happy about this we're talking about the fact that the government of course have announced measures to protect native forests from logging from 2024 and david good afternoon uh, good afternoon yes david I just had a quick question for the um, for the professor. In when he was talking just earlier on, you mentioned that we started the process in 2001 with an initial step. I'm just wondering what was that initial step? Yes, I was rudely interrupted by Jenny. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. Uh, 
when the logging, we stopped the logging of old growth forests. We, we left a whole lot of other native forests that had been logged once. So now we've stopped all native forest logging and uh, that's, that means that no more carry Jarrah forests are going to be logged at all. And uh, the, the old growth forest was put into 22 different national parks, all of which are incredibly popular and, and real tourist attractions. So I, I think we'll just have more of that that will be happening. Yeah, very good. Um, sorry, Ben, is that a kind of is that a viable thing that the eastern states could do as well? I, I simply ask that because I mean I'm now watching on the television, you know, say the wildlife fund are now asking me to donate money to save the koalas and such, and and I appreciate a lot of it's due to expanding urban area and suburban area, but a lot of it I think is due to my uh, to, due to um, logging some of the old growth forests. So do you think that's something that? could potentially happen over east as well yeah they should learn from us but uh, they don't like learning from us they like to think they're way ahead but they're not on this one and certainly on on other things as well um like putting on grand finals but we uh we don't crow too much the uh look i think it's a great idea that they should now look at this because it's it's gathering enormous political momentum that uh, the the wildlife factor is yeah. going to need large expanses of area to move into because as climate change is growing it's getting hotter and there are more and more uh, bushfires the the area of land that they can survive in is shrinking so we do need to set aside these areas manage them for wildlife manage them for tourism and not log them because that that is very disruptive it is Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you very much for joining us. Actually, just on that point of bushfires, right, where are we going to be more susceptible, do you think? Absolutely. It's growing. Uh, any Mediterranean climate is very uh, fragile now into the future. Uh, the, the northern summer, Greece, Portugal, California, all the Mediterranean areas, even the, in the South American um, Chilean areas yeah, they were burning very very hot and uh, far bigger than and more extensive just like us than anything we'd seen before and uh, so we're going to have to be very careful in, in managing them uh, and and, and that that's, gets back to forest management as well. I was about to ask you, how the heck do we do that? Yeah, Gosh. well, we've got to learn from the Indigenous people and I think yeah, that's a point. very, very good message that's starting to come through and all the FEBs and, and so on are now... That's about time, that. that's for mm. sure. Uh, Brian, hello there. Hi, Jenny. It's um, a question for Peter regarding a, a start-up company in Western Australia that um, I, I can't understand how they're going to do it, but they're removing the carbon from the fossil fuels. I was wondering if you'd heard anything about it. Well, there are various companies trying to do that. It's called carbon sequestration. You take the carbon yep. out of whether it's natural gas or, or you know, after you've burnt it, you, you get the CO2 and sequester it. You put it in the ground. Yep. And uh, Chevron's been doing that up at Gorgon for 20 years and have basically failed. They haven't been able to do it properly. You've got to go down seven kilometres into marine sediments and, and leave them there forever, uh, turn them into limestone, essentially, and it, it's, it's very difficult and it's not really working. The best way to sequester carbon from the atmosphere is to grow trees. They're yeah. very, very clever at it. Yeah, Ab absolutely. 
that brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we're all for it, Brian. Was okay, that... thanks. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, then. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Julian, good afternoon, Julian. Hey, Jenny, how are you today? Good, very good, thank you. Go ahead. Jenny, I have a question for the professor in regards to uh, bushland. What about um, when the clearing areas for new residential areas? Uh, yes, this is my uh, my beef as well. Um, they have been clearing far too much land for new suburbs that are getting so far out now, they're ridiculous. You know, we're 120, 130 kilometres long in Perth now and it's they've crazy. still got new areas that they're clearing and putting in. There's even plans to cut a whole lot of the area in the in the hills oh gosh so it's it's time to redevelop around rail stations and that whole thing is where people can live near good facilities you have all kinds of uh, opportunities with public transport and services and yeah, and and that's the kind of thing i've been pushing for many years Sure. I think it's time to give away the Aussie dream of having a big backyard and we've got to go to high-density living. Yeah, yeah so. and it's not... It actually, is fi- we're finding now that more than half of people are wanting that. It's no longer that they're saying, oh, I'd want an Aussie dream, uh, big backyard, yeah. because it's so far away from everything. So getting in closer where you've got access to good schools, good hospitals, good services, good jobs... Uh, and you don't have to travel so far, that's a very big thing now. And and younger people especially are saying, no, we're not going out there. Yeah, that's true. The infrastructure, thank you very yeah. much indeed for calling. appreciate that. Thank you. And, and that's a very good discussion point because a lot of people are against high rise, especially in established areas, aren't they? Um, because they feel, you know, the older style suburbs should retain that feel. Mm. But can you do you think there can be that blend? Yeah, we've... Been we have a new book. It's called Greening the Greyfields. The Greyfields are the middle suburbs where, at the moment, we are we are subdividing the backyards that have got trees in them and knocking them down and putting in three or four little units that aren't very good, and you don't get any other services with it. We're suggesting that you should get a whole precinct together with the people who are there and say, look, we will give you a far better house on a smaller lot but you'll have access uh, part of this development will be all kinds of other services including public transport that will be improved and you get together with a with say 20 blocks and you pull them together and you get a much better development out of it and you can stay or you can go but you can actually have something that leaves a legacy that's much better into the future now that takes a bit of planning and delivery but I think it's a better yeah. idea. But I think we're seeing it now. I really do. You, mm. you look at Subiaco, Leadville, West Perth, all those areas, and I know they're not particularly very high-rise, all of no. them. Some can be. But they the are community... the densest parts of our city, though, and yeah, they've they got are. the most greening. Yeah. They, they are full of trees. That's and true, and rooftop gardens. Yeah, and you, You've right. got facilities, like you say. You walk down and catch a train into the city, if you're lucky enough to do that, but you've also got, got a community feel. That's right. You feel there are people around all the time. And, you know, when you get older and whatever, isolation is a huge problem. If you start to think living like that is not a bad thing. I've done it. I love it. It's the best thing I've ever done. I suppose it's a certain time of life, but you've got young people going yep. into that yeah, sort well, of stuff. We've style. been uh, nearly 50 years in our little cottage in Fremantle, right in the middle of all that. Uh, just fixed That's it all up for great. the final time, I think. Good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but we had our kids uh, there. Uh, small block, very close to everything, walk to everything. 
local schools, local services, and the, the Fremantles are now growing all all through the suburbs. So, Cheers. you know, C- City of Coburn are doing them, City of Joondalup are even doing them. So you, you, you need these centres and yeah. you need to build around them with housing that has easy access to it. And you'll then get a better city, I think. Without, much, much better without than Without a sport. doubt. That electric cars, the forests are left standing the way they should. You've got the fauna getting back out there and uh, hopefully the only enemy we've got to look out for are bushfires. Yep, and we can manage that, I okay. think. You we, think so? Yeah, we, the, it's new and, and we'll have to change the forestry procedures, but uh, I think there are ways ahead. Can I just ask you then before I let you go, w- would that be a burn-off situation? It, it is uh, a matter of burning, but uh, not just that. Um, w- there are rules now that mean if you want to do any kind of development, you've got to knock every tree down and just have them further away from houses and and different species than local ones this is really not going to work so we've got to have now ways in which we manage like a precinct uh and there are developers around who who now know how to do that they use community title to enable it to be managed by the whole community and then you don't have to knock all the trees down and you can manage that yourself as a as a process of well, the community. Uh, you, you involve the indigenous people oh, in what you should okay. burn and where you should plant and, and how you have... And what you plant? And what you plant. And you can actually then regenerate the bird life and, and oh, the animal so life nice. at the same time as managing it for bushfires. Showing you can way. do it. It's called regenerative design and it is the next big thing. I should come and talk to you about oh, that oh, sometime. Oh, please. No, please do. We just love you. And you can walk down, okay? You don't yeah. want to lift or anything? Uh, oh, <laughs> can you give me a ride up the 150 <laughs> metres? Yeah, no, I don't need to walk. We are getting so lazy. It's always great to see you and uh, uh, thank you very much for coming. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you.